Hey everybody, this is Dan Joseph. Welcome to the very first podcast that I've actually ever done. You may know me from uh, my days at WBAO Radio. You may know me from my days making videos at Media Research Center. Um, but again, this is my very first podcast, so we're going to just try a few things out. But today, and I know everybody's talking about Israel, we're going to talk about that uh, some other time. There's actually a video that I have up right now about Israel versus Hamas explaining what that conflict is all about and what needs to be done. But today, I want to talk a little bit about the race for Speaker of the House, which I think we all can admit at this point is chaos, right? It's chaos in the House of Representatives. And some people like chaos. There's a whole contingent of the Republican Party right now that enjoys the outrageous stuff, enjoys the bomb throwing, enjoys the anger, um, and the Democrats, too, I mean, they're they're loving this, right? I, I don't think in their wildest dreams they could have come up with a scenario where McCarthy was booted this quickly and there was this huge vacuum left. And what it does is it basically gives Biden a chance to go to Israel right now, he's in Israel, and to act presidential while there's all this chaos going on and he's asking the American people kind of to make that juxtaposition. Um, of course, all of this is really bad for the country not to have a speaker. Um, but again, both some Republicans and uh, the Democrats would rather see the GOP in chaos and infighting than do something that might bring us to compromise here. Now, as I just mentioned, uh, McCarthy was ousted by eight Republicans led by Matt Gates. Uh, and I know I, I, you know, I heard him on um, CNN the other day blaming Democrats for booting him. And, and that's silly, right? That's that's ridiculous. It was those eight Republicans who bear the responsibility for this. But again, kudos for McCarthy for being a team player, even after he was stabbed in the back by his own caucus. So next up in the list was Majority Leader Steve Scalise. And the party gave him the nomination, and he didn't have the, tw the 217 votes he needed and he dropped out. I think he knew right away. They didn't even bring it to a floor vote. He knew he didn't have the vote, so he didn't he didn't have that embarrassment. So not afraid of embarrassment, though, was Jim Jordan. And he decided he was going to try and get the votes. And on Tuesday, they took a floor vote, and he came up 20 votes short. That's, that's a lot. That's more votes short than McCarthy was in his first floor vote. So this is interesting. You know, it's the House moderates who really don't like Jim Jordan. And they're backing others like Scalise and McCarthy. And I, I think uh, uh, Lee Zeldin got a vote or some other people. But the, the moderates don't like Jordan because Jordan is a, is a bomb thrower. Jordan is very Trumpy. He's very much a Freedom Caucus guy. I think he was in charge of getting rid of Boehner, which a lot of uh, – John Boehner, the speaker during the Obama years, which a lot of Republicans still resent. Um, but most are backing him. He, he lost 20 votes though. It, it's funny because it's the hardliners who didn't like McCarthy that are standing with Jordan. So the whole thing is reversed. Uh, the Speaker of the House, obviously a very important position. They're second in line to the presidency. Probably more powerful than the vice president. I would say much more powerful. They typically drive the national conversation more. They certainly have more say in legislation. And most people, I think, out there, including the base of the GOP, believe – I don't think they really understand what the Speaker of the House does. I think they believe the Speaker of the House should be kind of a party position. 
And what I mean by that is they believe the speaker should be a purely political animal, purely uh, a representative of the party's interests. And yes, yes, they're, they're typically going to be partisans, but they also have other things they need to do. And they also have other things that they need to be good at. Uh, they're most visible as a spokesperson for the opposition party when the government is divided, but they have to articulate an agenda. They have to explain legislative action. They make the rules, right? They, they, they pretty much have a complete, uh, a complete uh, check over what the rules of the House should be. They oversee committee assignments, very important. They structure floor debate. It's, it's not an easy job. And probably most importantly, they manage the business on the floor. And, and that's very technical. They structure the House debate. So, so basically, the Speaker oversees everything everything that goes on in the house and plus they have to keep the caucus together too if they want to pass any legislation and and right now none of these guys running for speaker is giving me a lot of confidence that they'll be able to keep the party together i mean nancy pelosi was great at that because democrats stick together they don't have the same rifts in the party that the gop currently has they say uh, you know, they, they say, well, Nancy Pelosi says jump, and they all say how high. And they say that being Speaker of the House is a lot like herding cats. There, then there was actually a book, I think, by former Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott called Herding Cats. And it sounds adorable, right? Uh, but if you've ever tried to get one cat to do something they don't want to do, you can imagine what it's like getting 217 of them to do something. And plus, you know, cats bite and scratch and ruin the furniture. And, th and that's why I'm a dog person. Anyway, the role played by the Speaker of the House really changed when Newt Gingrich took over in 1995. Because he was fiercely partisan. And he was the bomb thrower like Jordan. And he was – he wanted to be the political leader of a grassroots movement. And it was designed to put the GOP on parity with President Bill Clinton. And yeah, I mean, he had an agenda. He had the, the contract with America. We all remember that. But destroying Bill Clinton was his primary goal. And that's similar to the primary goal of Jim Jordan. I think what we've seen so far is Jim Jordan has two primary goals. He wants to get Donald Trump reelected and he wants to ruin the presidency of Joe Biden. He's in charge of uh, the some of the investigations into Joe Biden right now. So he has an agenda, I, I think, but, you know, again, his goals are political. And for Clinton, it, it turned out to be great when Newt Gingrich showed up because Clinton used the bully pulpit to destroy Gingrich, sailed to victory in 1996. But Newt Gingrich fundamentally changed the role of speaker from an administrator role to a partisan cheerleader role. And Jordan, like I said, is a lot like Gingrich. Uh, Jordan has never sponsored a piece of legislation that has passed. And he's popular in the GOP, I think, for the same reason that Trump is popular, because he's loud. He's partisan. He rolls up his shirt sleeves and he doesn't wear a jacket. And the MAGA types, they see him as a fighter. But like I said, the more establishment-type Republicans in the House and elsewhere, they hate him. Because he has really been the leader of attacks on the GOP leadership from within the party. He was instrumental in ending John Boehner's career. He's always been a thorn in the side of leadership, but, but that's his appeal. That's, that's where he gets his strength from. 
Because the base of the party, they, they want to burn down the establishment. They want to burn down Washington, not literally, figuratively. They also think that his uh, being instrumental in the House's attempt to overturn the 2020 election is great. He, he played a big role in that. And, but others in the GOP think that's a losing proposition based on the 2022 election results. So, look, I, I think it's going to be difficult for Jim Jordan to get the votes he needs on Wednesday. He, but, I, you know, I wouldn't count him out. Some Republicans who oppose him might eventually just say, you know, to hell with it. This is too embarrassing. You can have your chaos and vote to make Jordan speaker and uh, we'll have nothing to do with it. But if he wins... I think there are two two ways it could go if he wins. The partisanship in Washington could increase, and Joe Biden will be given a foil. You know, he loves to talk about MAGA Republicans and has already vilified him. Them, uh, this will make it easier. Because look, I'll be honest with you, I don't think the majority of Americans like Jordan's style of politics. The other possibility, though, is that if he becomes Speaker. He, you know, he's the Freedom Caucus guy. So maybe they, who are pretty obstinate with other speakers, would be more open to him compromising with Biden and keeping the government open and passing CRs and passing legislation. Maybe they'd be more tolerant than they were with McCarthy because he's on their team. He's one of them. It's like with, with Trump, right? The, the Trump came in. And the Freedom Caucus supported whatever he did, whether it was part of the Freedom Caucus agenda or not, because he was part of their team. So if Jordan can't get the votes, I don't know what happens next. Uh, Maybe Tom Emmer, some people have talked about. Some are suggesting giving Patrick McHenry, the pro tem speaker, more power. Whatever it is, though, whatever it is, the optics are bad. No speaker right now. Uh, The war in Israel is, is an emergency situation. And the GOP is out there bloodying themselves to a pulp. Could could not be better for the president and the Democrats, in my opinion. I'm Dan Joseph. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with another one of these podcasts in a couple days. And you can watch my videos on YouTube at DanJoseph78. See you next time.